This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We start out in this brand new week with a brand new show to unveil. Command Performance was a radio program which originally aired between 1942 and 1949. The program was broadcast on the Armed Forces Radio Network. It was not broadcast over domestic U.S. radio stations. The program was produced before an audience in the Vine Street Playhouse in Hollywood, California, and recorded via electrical transcription. The weekly listening audience of military personnel estimated at 95.5 million. Troops sent in requests for a particular performer or program to appear. They also suggested unusual ideas for music and sketches on the program, such as uh, Ann Miller, tap dancing in military boots, a sigh from Carol Landis, or foghorns on San Francisco Bay. The first command performance was broadcast March 1st of 1942, almost exactly three months after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Time magazine described command performance as being the best wartime program in America. However, very few listeners in the United States ever heard it, and it would appear that the Christmas command performance of 1942 was the only program of the series to be broadcast to a general audience. So, unless you were serving in the forces, tonight we give you a taste of what many regular listeners didn't hear. The host tonight is Fred Allen. USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Presented this week and every week, till it's over, over there. there, buddy. It's command performance time in the USA, and the American entertainment world is yours to command. Here's this week's first letter from Corporal J.R.B. in Australia. He says, Dear command performance, how's the feud getting on between Fred Allen and Jack Benny? Well, Corporal, the best answer I can give you to that is this. Here he is, the eastern half of the feud. The man with two baggy knees and eyes to match, Fred Allen in person. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, and greetings to all you soldiers, sailors, and Marines. And Harry, answering Corporal J.R.B.'s letter, the Benny Allen feud has slowed down a little. Benny wanted to get his second win, but the man who owns the oxygen tent wanted his money in advance. And as far as I know, Benny is still in the oxygen tent dickering. 
You know, it takes two to make a feud, Harry. I'm here ready to fight the minute Benny comes east. He uh, was coming to New York last week. He heard you could buy defense stamps cheaper at Macy's, and he was coming on here. And as I understand it, Benny started to hitchhike from Hollywood, but the gasoline and rubber shortage held him up. He stood out on the Lincoln Highway for two days without seeing a single car. The best offer Benny got was from a man who was walking east. And this man offered to take Benny piggyback as far as Kansas City. And Benny turned him down. He refused to go piggyback because it wasn't kosher. So he's still out on Lincoln Highway as far as I know. But enough about the old boy with the locked-in billfold. Our show opens... Our show opens with an answer to a request from a soldier in the land of the Shamrock. He wants to hear his favorite singer, Kenny Baker. Now, Kenny sings, Johnny Doughboy found a rose in Ireland. Johnny Doughboy found a rose in Ireland Through the fairest flower that ever never grew him back to old New York, cause his mother spoke the sweetest Blarney food. Johnny Doughboy found a rose in Ireland, and she stole his heart with smiling eyes of blue. He said, darling, tis my duty to Doughboy sailed away, and it was his lucky day, even though the skies were gray above. On that isle across the sea, Johnny's making history with his Yankee doodle on the blood. Johnny Doughboy found the road in Ireland, through the fairest that Aaron never grew. For the blarney in the car took him back to old New York, cause his mother spoke the sweetest blarney too. Johnny Doughboy found the rose in Ireland, and she pulled his heart with Now, here's 
here's an unusual request by way of the Hawaiian Islands. It says, Dear Command Performance, last week you had a fellow on named Henny Youngman. We'd never heard him before, but the guy's a riot. How about a second helping? Signed, Private L.E.W. U.S. Marine Corps. Well, Private L.E.W., all you did was order a New York police escort for Henny Youngman to sprint him from Low State Theater. He pulled in here 14 seconds ago, short on breath, but long on laugh. Making his second appearance on command performance, Henny Youngman. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you, Fred. The great guy that's Fred Allen. Just recommended me to the Astor Hotel. That's where I'm stopping. I have a room there with an adjoining towel. <laughs> Can imagine how big the room is. I had a headache last night. The guy I saw took the aspirin. <laughs> Walked into my room last night and I found a strange girl there. I said to her, I'll give you just 48 hours to get out of here. <laughs> That's fair, I thought. Since I was on command performance last, I've been out to the coast, met all the big stars out there. In fact, Martha Ray kissed me. I lost my head completely. <laughs> That's the first time I was ever kissed on a mouth and a forehead at the same time. <laughs> she kisses like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> she used to come and see me every night at a nightclub I worked in. I worked in a lovely spot. This place was in a cellar, sort of an upholstered sewer. <laughs> no cover, no minimum, no people. No salary, no nothing. <laughs> you can imagine how bad business was. A fellow came in and asked for a change of $5. They wanted to make him a partner. <laughs> Lovely boss, too. He used to stab me. Good night. <laughs> Lovely element of people. I love them. 12 o'clock at night, we used to have a five-minute intermission to carry out the wounded. <laughs> From out of nowhere, one guy walked up to me. He said, I'll bet you $10 you're dead. Did you believe it? I was afraid to bet him. <laughs> I invited a girl there one night. Could she eat? She had an appetite like a bird, a vulture. <laughs> when she started to eat her soup, four couples got up to dance. <laughs> then I ordered. I had a steak. I don't know what kind of meat it was, but every time I swallowed, it went. <laughs> I called a waiter over. I said, look, take the steak back. I can't cut it. He said, I'm sorry, we can't take it back now. You've already bent it. <laughs> a wise guy. So I got up. I took a punch at him. Then I got up again. <laughs> so think of me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think I could fight. Well, I can. I'm married. Although I haven't spoken to my wife in the last four weeks. I didn't want to interrupt her. <laughs> My wife was a nice, even disposition. Miserable all the time. <laughs> Lately, she's had a slight impediment in her speech. She stopped to breathe. <laughs> Brother, can she talk? I had her at the beach last summer when she got home, her tongue was sunburned. <laughs> it's all over now. We just got divorced. She won the custody of her parents. And speaking of her parents, I'd like to sing a little song dedicated to my mother-in-law entitled, I See Your Face Before Me from the Picture I Wake Up Screaming. 
I'll be accompanied by Al Goodman and his mate. You want to sit this one out there and talk to you. May I have a little introduction, Al, please? Thank you. Sam Temple is at Carnegie Hall, please. <laughs> Just a little louder, please. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> I keep moving, I'm no fool. Since I wash my panties and lust, I get every dance. I just made up my mind of where I'm going to spend my vacation, around Veronica Lake. To me when I came out in my shorts, but when I bent over, they split. <laughs> you know, I just saw a picture without Don Amici. <laughs> I am Peggy George's husband, aren't you? Happy folks, wear a trust. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Comes now a letter from an army chaplain somewhere in the South Pacific. The other night he writes. We were chatting about command performance, and believe me, it would do your hearts good to watch the men here as they listen to the sports, news, comedy, and popular music you send us each week. However, I frequently hear a desire expressed for such great artists as, for example, Gladys Swarthout. I pass this on to your consideration. Not merely for our consideration, Chaplain, but for our action. For here is the great artist whom you have requested, Miss Gladys Swarthout, who sings for you, Bless This House. Thank you. 
Let's start us off. Now, fellas, so many of your letters ask for the latest news in baseball, track, boxing, horse racing, and American sports in general, that Command Performance has decided to carry a regular sports page of the air. Editor this week is that eminent sports writer and mental giant of the quiz world, John Kieran. Soldiers, sailors, and marines, not necessarily in that order. Here we go with a few remarks on what to put or at hand in sport. Private J.L. Barrow of Fort Dix, Joe Lewis, to us civilian, has his muscles all flexed to meet Ample Abe Simon. That's right, fight him again. Everybody except Ample Abe and his manager were convinced the first time. The second meeting will be at Madison Square Garden on Friday night. They say Simon is in great shape now. Everybody Joe Lewis meets is in great shape until the fight starts. Joe fought once for the Navy Relief Society. This time it's for the Army Emergency Fund. This will balance the book, even if it upsets Abe Simon. Don't laugh, boys. Ample Abe will be doing his best. Gus Lesnovich, world's right heavyweight champion, enlisted in the Coast Guard the other day, which recalls that Red Cochran, the welterweight champion who joined the Navy some months ago, couldn't make the welterweight limit now unless he sawed off a leg. Boy, the chow in the Navy must be wonderful. The climax of a great indoor track season is just ahead. On Wednesday night in the Bronx Coliseum, there will be a whirling finish to the board floor campaign. A fellow named Gil Dodge, who began by taking correspondence courses in running, has certainly proved the value of the United States mail. This Gil Dodge, after running Gregory Rice a great two-mile, switched to the mile to meet Leslie McMitchell at the indoor championship. Running practically as a novice at that distance, he stole a long lead and held enough of it to win by a whisker for McMitchell in 4.083. They had a return match in the Colombian mile of the KSC. And Dodge, in the lead, turned the first half in under two minutes. Sensational. That left them both breathless, but McMitchell saved enough energy to pass Dodge on the last lap and win by a short head in 4.08 even. Now the runoff, a rubber match, is coming up Wednesday night in the Bronx. It should pack the house to, uh, to the advantage of the Navy Relief Society for which the net profits will go. The Major League Ball Clubs are still warming up in exhibition games, but it's hard to tell what will come of it. Selective Service Board marching orders are bound to make changes in the batting order. Anyway, the Dodgers are leading in publicity so far. If there are any other big changes, you'll hear about them. So long, boys. Thank you, John Keir. And now, in response to a request from some Marines down in the Caribbean... Al Goodman and his gang play the number one song on the hit parade, Deep in the Heart of Texas.
uh, here's a letter from a cook in the U.S. Army, and if the postmark is any criteria, and he hasn't had his ears glued to the radio this past winter in search of new recipes for icebox cookies and frosted dessert. It's from Private LFJ somewhere in Alaska who says, Dear Command Performance, on one of our shows, you gave us the season's most popular songbird, Dinah Shore. On another, you gave us the songbird of the South, Kate Smith. Now, they're both mighty good. But the songbirds I'm lonesomest for are the ones that used to wake me up every morning back home in Indiana. That sure would be sweet music to my ears. Well, Private, I think this specially made recording is the answer to your request. Those were authentic Indiana birds. Now, for any serviceman who happened, uh, men rather, who happened to be from uptown New York and are lonesome for the famous Bronx bird, <laughs> that was the Bronx bird in a special arrangement dedicated to A. Schickeldruber. And now, an encore for the actor. <laughs> Extend our brotherly sympathy and understanding to Lieutenant R.J.L., who writes, Dear Command Performance, a couple of years ago at Columbia University, we chose Madeline Carroll as the girl we prefer to be stranded with on a desert island. Well, brother, here I am on a desert island. And <laughs> I don't want to be obvious, so let me put it this way. I'd like to have Command Performance give us Madeline Carroll. Lieutenant, take the sand out of your shoes and get a good grip on yourself, for here she is, glamorous, beautiful, charming, Madeline Carroll. <laughs> well, how, uh, how do you do, Miss Carroll? How do you do, Mr. Allen? Miss Carroll and Mr. Allen. <laughs> Sounds rather formal, doesn't it? Yes, it sounds like a blind date getting together in the lobby of the YW to me. <laughs> but why don't you just call me Madeline, Mr. Allen? I'll call you Fred. Well, now we're all set. Now, before we tee off, Madeline, there are two ardent fans of yours waiting to meet you. This is Portland, Madeline. You're cute, Portland. You're cute, too, Miss Carroll. I'm cute, too, Miss Carroll. Now, Penny. Penny. <laughs> Uh-uh-uh. Wait till you're introduced. I jumped the gun, brother. <laughs> Are you really so anxious to meet me, Kenny? I ain't here waiting for a streetcar, sister. <laughs> Kenny Baker, where are your manners? Look, brother, there's no time for manners. This is a primitive Baker talker. <laughs> primitive Baker with two pairs of pants, yes. And this is the Neanderthal Allen talking, Primitive Baker. Now, you drop your caveman approach, and you say something nice to Miss Carroll. Well, I saw your last picture, Bahama Passage, Miss Carroll. Did you like it, Kenny? Gosh, there was one scene I'll never forget. Which one was that? It was a love scene. It was night. You were standing beneath the palm tree. Moonbeams dancing your beautiful golden hair. Sterling Hayden kissed your lips to his. Yeah. And then the scene faded out on a pineapple. <laughs> See, it was beautiful. You know, Miss Carol, there's one thing I wanted to know. What was that, Kenny? Was that a real pineapple? I'll go away. <laughs> 
please, Kenny. Madeline and I have a rendezvous with the cliché here. Okay, but I'll be back, Miss Carroll. Now, don't, don't, don't bother. Now, Madeline, let's talk about you. What is your ambition, your hobby, your telephone number? I haven't any hobbies. My telephone's cut off, and the last picture I made at Paramount hasn't been released yet, so... Well, I really haven't anything to talk about. Yeah, a Hollywood actress with nothing to say? This interview will make radio history. <laughs> yes, I don't smoke, don't use any special shampoo, and I haven't got a sweater to my name. You're, uh, you're just a home girl, Madeline, and I'm going to see that you get home tonight. Well, thank you, Fred. <laughs> Tell me, have you, uh, have you ever seen me in pictures? Yes, Fred, I have. You're not uh, just saying that to be nice. Have you really, really seen me in pictures? Well, honest, I have the dishes at home to prove it. Well, tell me, Madeline, why can't, why can't I make good in Hollywood? I can't understand it, Fred. You have Errol Flynn's hair. Yeah. You have Donna Meachie's eyes. Yeah. You have Tyrone Parr's profile. Yeah. I can't understand it, Fred. What? On you, it comes out Boris Karloff. <laughs> What has Robert Taylor got that I haven't got, and where can I get it after he's through using it? <laughs> Did you see that last picture I made, and I do mean last picture I made, with Jack Benny? I saw the trailer. You didn't see the picture, you just saw the trailer. Yes, I got the idea. Oh, you got the... Well, you saw enough to tell me one thing, Madeline. How does Benny stay in picture? Well, Jack is photogenic, Fred. He screams well. Screams well, she says. A guy with no hair, he enamels his gums. His legs look like two swans' necks. His Adam's apple hangs down like a skin pendulum, and he screams well. Well, the camera is kind to some people and unkind to others. Oh, excuse me, Miss Carroll. Yes, Jenny? I'd like to have you meet a friend of mine. Well, I'd be glad to. Miss Carroll, may I present Mr. Von Zell? I'm very happy to know you, Mr. Von Zell. I am thrilled, Miss Carroll. That's all I can say. Thank you. Here's your 50 cents, Jenny. Thanks, Harry. How do you like a thing like that? Selling an introduction. Oh, I'm sorry, Madeline. Anything is apt to happen on this program. Oh, that's all right, sir. You can't upset me. I'm so very, very happy. You uh, have a reason? Yes, Fred, you see, all my life I've wanted to appear with a great comedian. And you have finally realized your ambition. Yes. On April the 1st, I'll be at the Paramount with Bob Hope. Hope? Bob Hope. He's a big comedian. Hope. You know I've heard that the name someplace. Hope. Is he that Hope in Hope Along Cassidy? Is that the... <laughs> Oh, he's a comedian. And you say he's in pictures? Yes, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Crosby, huh? Hope and Crosby. You oh, know, they've been in several pictures with Dorothy Lamour. Oh, Dorothy Lamour. <laughs> well, that explains it. You mean to say you've never seen Bob and Bing? There are only two things you see in a Dorothy Lamour picture, Madeline. <laughs> and they are not Hope and Crosby. <laughs> What are the two things, Fred? Dorothy and her sarong. 
Well, you're not, you're not worried about working with this Hoke, or Hope, or whatever his name is. Well, yes, frankly, I am a little concerned. I thought you might give me some advice on how to get along with a comedian. Oh, to get along with any comedian, Madeline, all you have to do is laugh at the comedian's jokes. Oh, That's I see. Well, oh, Miss Carroll. Oh, yes, Kenny. Miss Carroll, may I present Mr. John Kieran? I'm very happy to know you, Mr. Kieran. I'm thrilled, Miss Carroll. That's all I can say. Thank you. Kenny. Yes? Here's your 50 cents. Thanks, John. Now, wait. <laughs> of all the nerves. Wait till I get that little middleman after the program. <laughs> oh, it's all right, Fred. I honestly don't mind. I know you don't mind, but he's apt to come through here with a tour, Madeline, any minute. Say, before I forget it, there's something I wanted to ask you. What's that, Fred? The lieutenant who requested your appearance on command performance mentioned that his college had chosen you as the girl the average student would prefer to be stranded with on a desert island. Yes, Fred, I must say I was very flattered. Well, have you ever thought about your choice, the man? I mean, if you you had to be stranded on a desert island... Well, not until now, Fred. Madeline... You mean? Yes, Fred, and I'm serious. You would be my choice. But, Madeline, I'm no Cary Grant. From the neck down, I look like George Olive. I know, Fred, but you're still my choice. Well, why, Madeline? Your chest is so enormous, Fred. Yes? Your lungs seem so strong. Yes? On a desert island? Yes? You'd be just the man to yell for help. I see what you mean. I uh... Oh, Miss Carroll. Yes, Kenny? Miss Carroll, I'd like to have you meet Sam, the janitor. No, you don't, Kenny. This is the last straw, Madeline. Yeah. Goodbye, Fred. Goodbye, and Goodbye. thank you, Miss Madeline Carroll. <laughs> well, fellas, fellas, radio being what it is, the script and the time allotted to us are coming out neck and neck. Ordinarily, that extra neck in there would be the sponsor looking over my shoulder. But in this case, you fellows are the sponsor. And maybe it won't sound too sentimental to say we're proud to have worked for you on, on your show, Command Performance. We tried to put our best into these microphones over here, and we hope you like what came out of your loudspeakers over there. This is Fred Allen saying so long from the USA. Stay tuned for the Cisco Kid next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Cisco and Poncho to grace the airwaves with a show that was first aired in 1953 entitled Bullets and Ballots. Here's adventure. Here's romance. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Cisco, the sheriff, he is getting closer. This way, Poncho, follow. The Cisco Kid. Exciting story of the Cisco Kid, Bullets and Ballots. More often than not, elections in the Old Southwest were stormy affairs. 
The dishonest, who had special ends to serve and didn't care how they were served, wanted public officials who would not inquire into their activities. Thus, they took steps to get this type of public official elected. As our story opens, a big-jowled, slaty-eyed man is sitting at a table in the back room of a cafe, waiting. Presently. You, uh, sent for me, Fargo? That's right, I did. Sit down, Frank. I got no time to sit down. Suit yourself. What do you want? How's your campaign for sheriff coming, Frank? All right. Done a good job of campaigning. Most everywhere I go in the country, I see the name of Frank Vincent. It's kind of too bad you ain't going to be elected, Frank. We'll know more about that tomorrow night after the votes are counted up, Momsen. I know right now. Fargo Momsen figures things ahead of time. The sheriff we got now is doing a good job. He's going to be reelected. <laughs> You'd like to have all the cattle rustling keep right on as it is, wouldn't you, Fargo? Careful what you say. I didn't say you were doing it. But there are those who do say it. When I'm elected, I'm going to find out. You better stick to being a lawyer, Frank. Nope. I'm in this election to win. You won't withdraw, huh? No. We'll see. Come over here, Ed. This is Red Alton, Frank. Heard of him, ain't you? So you're bringing in gunmen, Fargo. Well, that's the sort of thing you do. Red, take a good look at this hombre so you remember him. I'll remember him, all right. I've given him one hour, Red. If by then he ain't back here to tell us he's withdrawn his name as candidate for sheriff, you're going out looking for him. I reckon I can find him without no trouble, Fargo. I reckon you can. That's all I got to say, Frank. But now... It's not all I got to say, Fargo. You pestered and bullied and stolen from the people of this county long enough. My first job as sheriff is going to be to come after you and get you behind the bars. I don't scare easy, Fargo. And you're going to find that out. kitchen, Jane. Oh. I, uh, I called in at your office. What are you doing out here? Oh, just thinking things over, daughter. Do you know who's in town? Red Alton. Yeah, I know. He's one of the most vicious gunmen and killers in the whole Southwest. But what's he here for? Is it in connection with the election? Mm, yes, daughter, it is. And Fargo doesn't want you to be elected? No. I see. Dad, why don't you withdraw? Please, it isn't worth it. You're no gunman. You can't stand up to men like Red Alton. Please. No, Jane, I'm not withdrawn. The people need good, honest law enforcement in this county. And if they elect me, that's what I'm going to try to give them. Oh, but... There's Dad... no use arguing. My mind's made up. All right. But you're going to have help. The kind of help Fargo's got. People say the Cisco kids camp just outside of town. I'm going to ride out there and talk to him. Right now. <laughs> Cisco. Si, Pancho. Pancho having fun with his little costado. <laughs> look, look, look. He go for the bait. And Pancho take it away from him. <laughs> it's all very well, amigo, if you want to play with that fish. But if you want some trout to eat, you'd better stop playing a game and try to catch him. Si, si. Pancho like the trout to eat, but Pancho like to play the game, too. Look, look, look. Cisco. <laughs> now he come for the bait again. 
Now, can't you put it away from him? Pancho, <laughs> 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 this is the first time I ever saw anyone fish for big trout and not try to catch them. However, have your fun and I will catch some fish. Hey, look, Pancho, we have a visitor. I will make her welcome, Pancho. Time to stay and play with the pescado. <laughs> what is there, senorita? Si, senorita. And over there on the bank is my compañero, Pancho. Excuse Pancho, senorita. If Pancho keep playing with your fish. Oh, that's quite all right. Cisco, my father's in a lot of danger, and I'm here to see if you will help him. Well, I will do what I can, senorita. Uh, shall we sit down on this log? Oh, I regret you. I have no chair to offer you. Now, tell me about it. Well, Dad's running for sheriff, and the cattle rustlers don't want him to be elected. Well, I can understand that. So, Fargo Momsen has brought in Red Alton. Oh, Red Alton, that hombre. See, I know of him. Well, I'm afraid that if Dad doesn't withdraw, Red'll... See, si, senorita, you need not say it. Your father's name is... Frank Vincent, and I'm Jane Vincent. Can you help him, Cisco? We can try, Pancho and I. We'll ride to time with you now, senorita Jane. Pancho! Look at him, fish. Pancho thinks you almost get yourself on the hook that time. Pancho, no more playing with the little fish for now. Come, we have work to do. Three hours up, Red. Yeah. You want me to go looking for that Vincent Ombre Fargo? You won't have to go look far for him. Just went into his office across the street. What about the sheriff? Here, you're going to cause no trouble. He's staying out to my ranch till the election's over. Well, I'm ready any time you say, Fargo. I reckon I'll walk across the street with you. I'd like to see this. Come on. Just let me make sure of these guns. Always pays to see the cylinders are working smooth. Yeah. Yeah. It's working all right. Come on, Fargo. Come on. Is this Vincent Ombre fast with a gun? He's fast enough. Those reckon he's fixing to get into an old gunfight. Not with you, Red. <laughs> Ain't many of them are. <laughs> it's been some time since I killed a man, Fargo. Been over a month now. Come on, let's get there. Frank sees us coming. He's getting up out of his chair. What about it, Frank? I told you what about it before. Ain't gonna withdraw, huh? No. All right, Red, go to work. Reach for your gun, hombre. I'll do that. <laughs> I guess I ain't lost the knack of it in that month, Fargo. Filled him plumb center, Red. <laughs> that gives us the election hands down. Down, down, down. 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 I'm loosen his collar. Yeah. We lift him up on the desk, Cisco. No, 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 no. Might be fatal to him to do that. We'll not move him. Uh, where he shot, Cisco? I'm not sure, but I think the bullet missed his heart. Oh. Must have his breathing. Hey, that Red Orton, he a bad hombre, Cisco. He's a very bad hombre, Pancho. Uh, also, that Fargo Mumpson is a bad hombre. I know of him, too. See, he rustled the cattle. Nobody dares to stop him. Hmm. 
Pancho, our work is cut out for us in this town. Doctor's coming right along, Cisco. Is there... She's still alive, senorita. Oh, thank goodness. I'd like to shoot down that red Alton myself and Fargo Momsen, too. Where can they be found, do you know? Oh, Fargo's usually over there in the cafe. Do you think Dad's going to live, Cisco? I hope so, senorita. But that is for the doctor to say. Pancho! Yeah? There is nothing more we can do for Vincent, Senor Vincent now. So let us get over to that cafe. This the cafe, Cisco, no? Si, Pancho. Mm. Pancho, not see anyone in here. People are keeping out of the public places today, amigo. Uh-huh. You know that Red Alton is in town. Not good for one, two hombres to scare election. Yeah, it is anything but good, Pancho. Si. Very bad. Very bad. There's another door over there. Uh-huh. Let us see what is behind it. And Pancho, think these hombres behind that door? Do not surprise me if they were, Pancho. Mm. And when I open the door, be ready to draw. Uh-huh. Do not know who you're walking into. Mm. Pancho, ready, Cisco. I hear low voices. Do not believe they're expecting anyone. Now. Hey, you, get out of here. Oh. It's the Cisco kid, Red. Yeah, I see it is. I've been waiting to meet up with him. You will have to wait no longer, hombre. Stay where you are, both of you. Can't you watch them too, Cisco? Momsen? Senor Vincent was shot within the past hour at his office. Yeah? Hey, hear that, Red? Yeah. Says Vincent was shot. Of course, you know nothing about that. <laughs> of course we don't, Cisco. Alton, I want to look at your guns. Better be careful, Cisco. Are you sure we'll get a look at them? Very well, let us see. Stand back, Pancho. Yeah. Keep your eye on this other hombre. Yeah, he a big, fat, good target, Cisco. I do not think we will have to shoot. For that bad killer does not dare to draw his gun. Easy now, Cisco. We don't want no gunplay. Did you hear what I said, Alton? You do not dare to draw. You do, I'm waiting. Just about one more word out of you. Very well, one word, two words, three words. You're a cowardly, sneaking coyote, Orton. Is that enough? Oh, no, right, no. If it wasn't for Fargo here, Cisco, I'd gun you down the second. So, Fargo is your master, bad man. <laughs> it's nice that you can hide behind his orders, is it not? Very well, since you do not dare to draw, turn around. Raise your hands. Come on, turn around. My patience is short. Now I will examine those guns. Keep watching them, Pancho. See, si, Cisco. Pancho, watch like a hawk. Uh, you do not keep your guns very clean, Orton. Also, I find two cartridges missing. That is strange. I thought bad killers like you always reloaded at once. So much for those guns. I'll throw them in the corner. So you shot Senor Vincent, Orton. You may turn around now. I'm going to do more than just turn around, Cisco. Ah, you want to fight with the piss, eh? I would accommodate you. Ah, hey, oh, I'll come here with my then I'm going to knock you through that window, Arthur, and I'm going to do it right now. Oh. <laughs> is this going to knock him through the window and he turned the complete summer of the salt? <laughs> now, I word to you, Momsen. This election is going to be held tomorrow and held honestly. Do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure, Cisco. And if I hear so much as one whisper that you are trying to tamper with it anymore, you will get the same treatment your Jack or Red Alton just got. Remember that. Come, Pancho. But before the election is over, Cisco is going to hear more from Fargo Monson and Red Alton. Much more. In just a moment, we'll continue our thrilling story of the Cisco Kid. <laughs> Thank you.
to the Cisco Kid in our exciting story, Bullets and Ballots. When Fargo Monson, powerful cattle rustler, could not induce Frank Vincent to withdraw from the race for sheriff, he had his hired killer, Red Alton, shoot Vincent down. Asked to help by Vincent's daughter, Jane, the Cisco Kid responded by knocking Alton through a cafe window. Now our friends, Cisco and Pancho, are on their way to Vincent's home. Pancho never see Cisco so mad as when he fight that Alton, hombre. See, I was angry, Pancho, too angry. Anyone is foolish to get so angry. Pancho thinks Cisco got a good reason. We all finished with our work now, Cisco? Indeed, we are not, amigo. Uh-huh. Our work has just begun. Oh? The people of the town know that Red Alton is here, and they know why. Uh-huh. We must convince them before they vote that he is not to be feared. Well, how we do do this, Cisco? The moment I do not know, Pancho, but I think we will find a way. Oh, there, bro. Oh, no, we'll look for a way now. Come on, let us inquire for Sir Vincent. Uh, see, Cisco, we inquire. <laughs> Come on in, Cisco Pancho. Gracias, senorita. Gracias, senorita. I've got good news for you, Cisco. Wonderful news. Dad's going to get well. Oh, it is good. It's good, Cisco. Oh, that is wonderful news, senorita. Hey, James. Yes, Dad? Is that Cisco and Pancho? Yes. Bring them in here. Well, all right, Dad. Well, you are a healthy-looking man, Sayer Vincent. Well, <laughs> guess I'm healthy and I've got a right to be after Red Alton's bullets, Cisco. I take you, Cisco. See, si, and this is Pancho, senor. Uh, Buenos dias, senor. I'm obliged to you both. Oh, but there is nothing to be obliged for, senor. Anything we can do to help elect an honest man is but our duty. Oh, but Dad's out of the race now, Cisco. Who says so? What? Now, please, Dad. I'm in this race to stay, daughter, on a bullets and ballots platform. Oh, dear, I might have known it. You should be proud of him, senorita. But... Now that Pancho and I know you still are in the race, senor... We will go right out and start campaigning for you. I'd sure appreciate it, Cisco. I can't do much from this bed. Cisco started a campaign by knocking Red Orton through the cafe window. What? He do, he do, he knocked Did you, Cisco? Well, I am not sure that it was wise. Uh, the people have got to know that. If they do, it'll elect me. Hey, Red. Red, we've got to do something quick. That story's all over town about how Cisco knocked you through the window. Oh, he's bragging about it, huh? Oh, it ain't him. It's that sidewinding partner of his and the Vincent girl. They got people out spreading the story. I'm getting even with Cisco for that foul girl. Don't think I ain't. It's getting dark now. As soon as it's real dark, I'm going out and fill that hombre so full of lead. It'll take ten men to pick him up. No, 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 wait. I got a better idea. I want them two hombres at the polling place tomorrow alive. No killings, Red. But then what do you want done? I want you to take some of the boys, go out to Cisco's camp. When they come along, jump them, gun whip them, and bring them in. Bring them in where? Best place I know is to keep them in jail. I'll have Pete ride out and get the keys from the sheriff. That was quite a day's work, Pancho. See, si, Cisco. Pancho's so hungry, the mesquite tastes like an enchilada to Pancho. I could eat something myself, amigo. Pancho wish now he'd catch that little fish. Uh, we will eat something just the same. Mm. We have supplies waiting for us. Yeah, what's the matter, Diablo? Mm, Loco not like something, too, Cisco. He's all right, Loco. He's uh, maybe the skunk. Yeah, hey, or some other animal. Oh, Diablo. Oh, oh Loco, oh, Loco, oh, now. Oh. Yeah, he's got to be back in camp, Pancho. Um, Pancho not like the town, Cisco. Um, Pancho let it... Santo Diablo, what is bothering you? Do not act that way about a little animal. Um, Pancho, think... Look out, Cisco, behind you! Come, whip out! 
Uh, that fixes them for now. Tie them up, boys, and we'll take them in like Fargo wants. But it sure is hard for me to keep from drilling the both of them. Head is coming off. Pancho. Pancho, where are you? Pancho, here, Cisco. Oh, it's dark in here. Oh, my hands are tied behind my back. Pancho's hands tied too, Cisco. What did we... Oh, now I remember. You were struck down at our camp, amigo. Mm, Where are we now, Cisco? I do not know where we are, Pancho. I have a... Foot is hitting against something. Mm? Sounds like a bar of a cell. Say, we are in a cell, Pancho. Pancho not like to be tied up in his cell. I do not like it either. Must be getting daylight, Pancho. Look, up through that window. The sky is quite light. Pancho not see the window. Pancho lay on his stomach. We'll see if I can stretch these bonds enough to slip my hands out of them. There's no use there. Too tightly tied. Pancho, try. No, no, it's too tight. Somehow we must free ourselves, amigo. Pancho got a pocket knife in his pocket. Pancho not can get it. Oh, that is a thought. Perhaps if I can roll myself over close to you, Pancho, like this. Oh, that's not too hard. If I can get a little closer, I'd be able to reach my fingers in your pocket, Pancho, and get that knife. See, it's in the pocket near you, Cisco. That'd be easier with my hands behind my back, but I will try. Pancho, tickle his head. Okay, Tomigo. I must get out of here. I'll try again. Pancho, I cannot get that knife. You squirm so. Now, hold still. There. There, I have the knife. Now, if I can get it open. Cisco, get it open. Now, he got it. I will try. I think I... See, I have it, Pancho. Now, if I can get the edge of the blade against the rope that ties you. There. Now, hold still, Pancho. Easy. Did it work, Cisco? The knife is sharp enough. It work, it work. And Pancho, feel one strand of rope give way. See, and there's another. Now, now Pancho, free yourself. The rope is off now, Cisco. Bueno, take the knife and cut me free. Yeah, I cut you free. Come on, hurry, hurry. Glasses, glasses, amigo. Now we can do something about getting out of here. Uh-huh. Cisco, someone come. See, I hear them. Lie down again, Pancho, exactly as we were before. Yeah, see, they come with the lantern, Cisco. If they come in this cell, Pancho, when I give the word, grab them. See, see, Pancho, no. Get up, get up. They ain't come to yet, Red. Let's get them out of here. What are you going to do with them, Fargo? I'm going to take them to the polling place, Red. Tied up just as they are. Going to hang a sign on them. Says these hombres campaign for Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> I figure folks will take their hands and be scared enough to vote for our man. Come on, get that door open, Red. There she is. Yeah. Hey. You must have clipped him. Now, Pancho! Hey, hey, hey! What is going on? Things look different, do they not, Obey? Why didn't you look at him close? Why didn't you? Why the floor face down, both of you. Pancho, tie them. Pancho, like this. Pancho, tie them. Pancho, see, they got no pocket knife to get away. Oh, you were going to put us on exhibition at the polling place, were you, Momsen? That's a very fine idea. Only now it is going to work in reverse. And they tie tight, she's good. Bueno, bueno. Before the polls open, we have just time to ask Senorita Vincent to make us a sign and to find a buckboard. Come, Pancho. Will this sign do, Cisco? Elect Frank Vincent Scherer. 
He will drive the bandits out of the county like this. Ha-ha! <laughs> see, Senorita, that is perfect. Pancho think they see that sign all over the place. But, Cisco, you're not really going to hitch Fargo and Red Alden onto a buckboard, are you? I most certainly am, Senorita. Ridicule is the surest weapon in the world to win or lose an election. This goes right, Jane. I'm going to be in the driver's seat of that buckboard. Dad, you can't. You can't get up out of bed. You would be wise to take your daughter's advice, senor. Cisco, I'm feeling fine. That would be the best medicine I could possibly take. Wounds or no wounds, I'm a-riding in the driver's seat. Pancho, I think this works in, Cisco. Well, it should be, Pancho. Where did these bandidos make the break? Ah, uh, they were not a big old. Two of Senor Vincent's men are riding along beside them with rifles. Hey, look, Pancho, Pancho, here they come. Look at them. Get along there, Red. Get along, Pancho. Something tells me, Senor Vincent, is as good as elected. Oh, Cisco, you're wonderful. You're marvelous. You're an angel. Oh, now, Senorita. Yes, you are. So are you, Pancho. <laughs> Pancho thinks nobody ever called him an angel before. <laughs> Pancho, go out and see if he can fly. Adios, <laughs> Senorita. Dad's so happy. He got the biggest majority any sheriff ever got. Oh, I'm very glad for him. I'm glad for you. Well, adios, senorita. Pancho and I must be on our way now. Oh, not with just a handshake, Cisco. Well, that is ample reward for me. Not as far as I'm concerned. Oh, will you come over here, Cisco? Si, senorita. With pleasure. <laughs> Cisco. Oh, senorita. Cisco. Si, Pancho. Senor Vincent, now the sheriff, no? See, si, he was elected, Pancho. Oh. After the election, there was a town meeting and he was sworn in as sheriff. How did you do this, Cisco? Well, at the town meeting, someone makes a motion. Someone make the motion, Cisco? Oh, that's very dangerous. Dangerous, amigo? Uh-huh. Now, how could it be dangerous to make a motion at a town meeting? Mm, Pancho, an hombre what was shot that way once. Oh, come now, Pancho. An hombre was shot for making a motion at a town meeting? See, si, Cisco. This hombre gets shot because he make a motion toward his gun. Oh, Pancho. Oh, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid.
to listen again for another thrilling adventure of the Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Pancho by Harry Lang. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.